Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, our guest Von Schatzer continues sharing how he was brought through cancer by God's grace. And Greg Patton is living in today's world. Our host, Dr. Larry Spargimino, continues his conversation with author and cancer survivor Von Schatzer. If you are a loved one, has, or is currently going through a battle with cancer, you will want to hear today's program. We're going to continue our visit with Vaughn Schatzer. In our previous program, we were speaking to him about his book, By God's Grace, A Cancer Survivor's Testimony. Tremendous testimony. He had fourth stage cancer, and it was a, a terrible battle, a long battle, but in every step of the way, at every moment, he knew the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, our first question had to do with how did you meet Christ? And by the way, all of our programs are archived. So if you missed that previous program, you want to go to that. I think his testimony is amazing. He wanted to go out with this young lady, and she said, yes, but we're going to church. And so God was so wonderful. There was a faithful man of God in the pulpit who preached a hellfire and brimstone message, and Vaughn knew that he was in deep trouble. But praise the Lord, he put his faith in Jesus, and Jesus was true to his word. He became a child of God. Vaughn, thank you so much for being with us once again. Brother Larry, it's so good to be back. I've been praying about this radio interview, and I'm just asking God to bless his word today, and I know his word will not return void, and I know there's someone out there that needs to hear about what I want to share in the word of God and what God has done for me. Well, amen. Let's jump right in. So I've got a good question for you. How did God help take away your fear and worry? Well, you know, Brother Larry, other than a sore throat and a cold and a headache, in the 30 years of my life at that time, I never had anything serious, health problems in my life. And when that surgeon came into my room with the clipboard and said that I got hot dog-sized tumors wrapped around my spine and I could die on the operating table when they cut away those tumors and said, sign here, I mean, I experienced the most fear, the most worry, and I mean, I felt like I was going to pass out. It scared me so bad. So I dealt with that for a while, and finally I got alone with the Lord, and I said, God, you're going to have to help me. I said, this is terrible. I said, I am scared to death. And so it wasn't long after that, as usual, the Lord spoke to my wife, not audibly, but in her heart. And she said, you know something, honey? She said, I think I know how we can overcome this fear. She said, you know, there are 365 passages in the Bible that God says, fear not. (laughs) And boy, something clicked in my spirit. That's one for each day of the year, Brother Larry. (laughs) And she quoted 1 Timothy 1.7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And she said something else she said that I feel we need to do. We need to make this fiery trial, not just a fiery trial, but we need to make this a mission. And you and I are going to be witnesses at all the hospitals Mm -hmm. and all the cancer patients we come into. So from now on, we are going to fear not, and this is going to be a mission, and we're going to witness to everybody we can. 
And you did that. I think you had doctors probably from Pakistan and other parts of the world, and you wanted to share with them. And I'm sure some of them wondered, well, where's this guy coming from? But, you know, like you said, the Word of God does not return void or empty. It actually accomplishes what God intends it to accomplish. So, So that's so wonderful. What kind of responses did you get from some of the doctors? Well, listen, we could spend the next <laughs> 10 programs. I mean, God gave us divine appointments and holy boldness mm. the whole time. But I'd like to share two of them. Okay. This first one was with a Hindu lady, all right? This Hindu doctor came in to me, and she was talking to me about my cancer. She was very nice and everything. And afterwards, before she left, I said, is there any way you can take and allow me to ask you a personal question. And she said, yes. And I said, what faith are you? And she said, I'm a Hindu. Mm. And underneath my mind, I'm thinking, oh, good night. She believes in reincarnation. That's false teaching. She believes there's, I think they believe in 33 million gods. I thought, oh, my, she doesn't even know. She's lost, and she's on a highway to hell. And I said, God... Please help me to be a witness to her. So I shared my brief testimony with her, how I got saved. And she thanked me very much and smiled and walked out the door. So after she walked out, I started praying. I said, God, I'm asking you for a miracle for this Hindu lady. She is lost. I'm going to witness to her again. She'll be back. And God, I need a Hindu Bible. But I'm in here in a hospital bed in Baltimore, Maryland, here at John Hopkins. Will you get me a Hindu Bible? A little bit later that day, the cleaning lady came in to clean my room. And I thought, I'm going to witness to her because I told God I wanted to witness to everybody if he would give me the boldness. So as soon as I started witnessing her, she started praising the Lord, and she almost became Baptocostal there in the room, (laughs) Brother Larry. So we was having a mini revival together, and I told her about the Hindu doctor, and I said, I'm praying for a Hindu Bible. And guess what the cleaning lady said? (laughs) I can have you one in an hour. So the cleaning lady went and got me a Hindu Bible, and guess what? When that dear Hindu lady doctor came back in, I gave her the Hindu Bible, and she looked at me really strange, and I said, I said, now, ma'am, this is a miracle. I told her that I prayed I could get a Bible, and I said, the cleaning lady got me the Bible, and I said, I want you to do two things with this Bible. I want you to read John 3.16 first, and I said, can you say that? And she said, John 3.16, and I said, after that, I said, you probably don't know this, but I said, the Apostle Luke in the Gospels of our Bible, I said, he was a physician. He was a doctor just like you. I want you to read the book of Luke. Will you do that for me and for the Lord? She said she would. So, Brother Larry, I had a divine appointment with this Hindu doctor, probably from Pakistan, and God got me the Bible and everything, and I told her I wanted to see her in heaven one day. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's so exciting, because people all over the world, whatever their faith background, even if they're atheists, and because atheists have faith, let's face it, they make that leap of faith that there's no God. People all over the world, wherever they come from, doctors, lawyers, engineers, day laborers, whatever, rice farmers, on and on and on, generals, colonels, admirals, they all have that need in their heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. So it's so wonderful 
that God provided and that you were faithful and you were there standing in the gap for that dear lady. But Vaughn, what advice would you give to a cancer patient or anyone with a terminal disease? And I know there's cancer is not the only terminal disease. There's a whole bunch of them that could take us out. What advice would you give? I guess the first thing I would ask them is, you know, I would say, dear sir, dear lady, you know, when you are operated on or you have surgery or whatever procedure the doctor will give you, I think the three most important questions in life in the whole world is where did we come from, number one. Number two, why are we here and what is our purpose? And number three, where will we spend eternity? I say, you know, that question, where will you spend eternity, if you do not get through this disease, and we will pray that you do, but if you don't, where will you spend eternity? There's only two places. The Bible says save people that have trusted in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's called the gift of eternal life. Those people go to heaven. But if you reject his gift of eternal life and his death, burial, and resurrection for you, then you will pay for your own sins in a place called hell. God doesn't want that, and nobody wants that. So if you're not prepared to go to heaven, you need to settle that today. And I would like to share that with you, and hopefully I'll be sharing that with you in just a few moments when we close out this program. But the second thing you should do If you're in a church, you could call for the elders of your church and have them anoint you with oil, James chapter 5. I know, sadly, a lot of churches don't even anoint people with oil anymore. Well, that doesn't matter. That's sad, because it's in the Bible, and God's Word never changed. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So call for the elders of your church and let them anoint you with oil. That's what I did, and I'm still here over 20 years later. And I believe it was because I was faithful in being anointed with oil. And there's nothing magic about that oil. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And yes, it can even be what the Bible calls mustard seed faith. And then thirdly, I would claim... The verse, the chapter that I claimed, Second Kings chapter 20, the story of King Hezekiah, where he was on his deathbed and he cried and prayed to God. God heard his prayer, said he was going to add 15 years to his life. I prayed that prayer 20-some years ago, and I said, God, give me 15 plus years, and he did that. I'm now just about the 22 years, and I say, thank you, Dr. Jesus. So, Brother Larry, that's what I would tell anyone who's going through any type of a terrible disease, COVID, anything like that. Well, I think with life being so uncertain and with the fact that our bodies are weak and that death is a reality unless Jesus comes before we breathe our last, this is certainly great advice. This is advice with eternal consequences. And, you know, and I think of eternity. I visit a lot of people in the hospital, and I see some people who are very sick, who are very much in pain. That pain can be taken away, that we've got plenty of things, plenty of narcotics and painkillers and so forth. But when I think of hell, I believe that the Bible teaches very clearly 
that there is conscious eternal torment forever and ever. And some people think, well, that's unfair. Well, when a person sins against an everlasting and eternal God who has given his son, that is a sin, rejecting that, that requires yeah. eternal punishment. I don't think there's anything you know, unfair about it. For example, if I meet a person on the street and I push him or punch him in the nose, I might end up in jail for maybe overnight. But if I see President Biden or a governor or a general or any person of distinction, and if I punch that person in the nose, the penalty is far greater. So when we sin against Almighty God, the penalty of eternal damnation, that's right, that's fair, and that's proper. And the exciting thing about it, no one has to go to hell. You have the choice. So that's a tremendous thought. But tell us a little bit about the results of your stem cell transplant. That's very interesting. Now, this was a clinical trial back in 2000, 20-some years ago. There weren't a whole lot of people going through with this, and my doctor told me, Mr. Schatzer, if you can get through this, you know, it's very invasive to your body, but if you can make it through, this treatment will kill the cancer. So I really had no choice, and so I said, okay. So in a nutshell, in a stem cell transplant, they took out six million of my stem cells out of my blood, and they froze them in liquid nitrogen. Then they gave me powerful doses of what's called cytoxin, rituxin, and total body radiation, and that basically killed all of my bone marrow. And then, a few days after they did that, they re-injected my 6 million stem cells back into my bloodstream, and that would regrow my bone marrow. So after they did that, they said, oh, Mr. Schatzer, you can't do anything for the next two weeks. You have no immune system. No immune system. So again, fear struck me in there, and I had to go back to Dr. Jesus with the 365 fear knots, <laughs> and that God was going to watch over me, and he was going to take care of me. So I wasn't even allowed to brush my teeth. They said, if you scratch your gum with a toothbrush and you get a cold, you will die. So for two weeks, that's how I had to live. But Dr. <laughs> Jesus took care of me. And after that was all over, I was able to go home. A couple weeks later, I was in the hospital 30 days total. And I went back to the hospital then to have all the tests to see if the stem cell transplant was a success. And about a week later, I got a phone call from my doctor saying, I have some good news for you, Mr. Schatzer. Wow. There is no disease or cancer present in your past test. You are cancer-free. Wow. <laughs> Brother, Brother Larry, even 20 years later, it touches my heart. Yeah. I fell to my knees and laughed and cried at the same time and told the doctor, thank you for that call. I needed to have that. So that that horrible ordeal that I went through, uh, everything, and I got that answer, and Dr. Jesus spared me the opportunities to witness. You know, brother, I counted it all joy that I went through that trial and tribulation, wow. and I could be a witness for Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm praying there'll be souls in heaven for that. And I learned a whole lot about patience, experience, and hope. Thank you, Dr. Jesus.
Well, here's the big question. What's on the last page of your book, By God's Grace? We want to hear about that. (laughs) All right. It's very, very important. The life verses of my whole life are on the last page. And what it is, it's the plan of salvation. You know, the Philippian jailer asked Paul and Silas after they had been in prison and he had whipped them. He was afraid they was going to escape from prison and he would be killed. And he fell on his knees and said, what must I do to be saved? And on the last page of my book, I go through what I did to be saved, what the Bible, the Word of God says. It's the plan of salvation, Brother Larry. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The first step in going to heaven is to admit you're a sinner. And Brother Larry... All of us, if we're honest, we're chief sinners. Me playing in a rock and roll band, I was chief, chief sinner. And I admitted right away, God, I'm I'm a terrible sinner. I've been a vile sinner. So you're one-third of the way if you can admit you're a sinner to God. Not to a priest or a preacher, but to God Almighty. Second, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. You know, we all get a paycheck, Brother Larry, every week or two, (laughs) those of us that are working. Well, you get a paycheck or a wage for being a sinner, and it's death. There's two deaths in the Bible. One's a physical, when they bury you and put you six feet under in the ground. The other death in this verse, Romans 6.23, is a spiritual death. It's separation from God in a place called hell prepared for the devil and his angels. Not for humans, but for the devil and his angels. So that's the bad news of the part of salvation. But the reason the bad news is so bad is because the next part of the verse is so good. Mm. And it says, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So going to heaven, Brother Larry, and all you listeners out there, and any rock and roll musicians, (laughs) drug addicts, anybody else, or maybe you think you haven't sinned that much. One sin keeps you out of heaven, listener. Please listen to the rest of this. And so it says there that God has a gift for you. It's free. It doesn't cost a penny. It costs God his son but it doesn't cost us anything. And it's eternal life through Jesus Christ, not through a church, not through baptism, not through a list of do's and don'ts, but through Jesus. And then finally, my life verse is Romans ten thirteen: Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Brother Larry, June 15th, 1988, 8.15 p.m., I claim those three verses with mustard seed faith got on my knees and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. I want that gift of eternal life and save my soul. Brother Larry, I haven't been the same since. I've been saved for over 41 years, and God has cast all of my sins as far as the east is from the west. That's his promise, indeed. Well, Vaughn, I'm so, so glad we could have you on, and I'm glad we could chat. I've always enjoyed your fellowship, and your testimony is powerful. And friends, what we've shared today is of eternal and lasting value. I want to close with these words, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.
The full two-day conversation with Von Schatzer is available on CD when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Greg Patton started to live at age 27. That's when he was saved. Today, Greg shares about how a good friend and TV anchor died at age 27. Another one of those thousands of stories living in today's world. You know, living in today's world can be extremely hard sometimes. Your walk with Jesus Christ is one of, well, it's just like the waves, up and down and all around. You're not on top all the time, and you're not on bottom all the time. How do you do that? I often tell people this, whatever is happening in my life, I must ask this question, how can I best glorify God by this thing that is happening in my life now. It's a good way to live. I've been talking a lot about soul winning. In fact, I'm really considering writing a book on soul winning experiences. Yours. Stories where God did some great things and people came to know Jesus Christ as a result of your efforts and sharing the good news. I've been involved in radio and television since I was 12 years of age. I love it all. I've been a television news anchorman. I've been the chief photographer of the ABC station right here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I've stood in the Oval Office. I've been in a hotel room with the President of the United States getting ready to do a worldwide interview. Oh, I've, I've run the gamut of this thing. I've always been impressed by people who do a good job, not easy, putting your face before a camera and saying all the right things at the right time. We had a gal, Susan Weldy, at our television station that I greatly admired. She was such a go-getter. She made most of the guys mad because she worked so hard. I remember one of the guys, good friend of mine, saying, hey, she is driving me crazy and she's making us all look bad. I said, why? She doesn't stop working. She keeps on working even when she's not getting paid. I know that she had aspirations for one of the major networks one day, and so she was willing to sacrifice. I really, I enjoyed that. I appreciate it. I admired that. So obviously, somewhere along the line, Susan and I became very good friends. And as God would permit, I used the opportunity of being with her, doing stories here, there, and everywhere. I used the opportunity to talk to her about Jesus. She was a devout Catholic from Erie, Pennsylvania, her entire family. Initially, I was brushed off quite a few times, but after a while, watching my life, meeting my wife and children, things started to soften a bit. I was able to talk to her a little bit about Jesus Christ, but I was not in a comfortable position here where I was ready to say or do anything as far as leading her to the Lord. But I did do this, and we need to. I invited her to my church, Roanoke Baptist Church. I thought if she could hear my pastor, and he gave great messages and always an invitation, always soul winning at the end, getting people to come forward for the Lord Jesus Christ. This just might work. And at the right time, at the right place, I was able to invite her to a special Sunday we were having at church, and much to my surprise, she consented. It was wonderful. I couldn't, <laughs> I've got to tell you, I called a few folks in the church, said, hey, the news anchor woman, Susan Welday, 
She is coming to our... I was just thrilled. And people were putting on their Sunday best. Susan Welday, she was the best in Fort Wayne. Well, come that Sunday, I'm waiting in the foyer. I keep looking out the church doors and no Susan. And Sunday school, and I thought, well, she'll probably make it for worship then and continue to look. She did not come. I was so discouraged. I was so disappointed. The next day at work, I said, Susan, I, I thought for sure you were going to be there. She said, I was. I said, excuse me? I was there, Greg. You were where? At Roanoke Baptist Church. No, you weren't. I kept, I was out in the parking lot. And I got to thinking, sitting there waiting to go in, I'm a Catholic. What am I doing at a Baptist church? I don't belong here. And I drove back home. I said, oh, wow. Susan, pastor, gave a great message, and I think could have made this thing very clear about not being a Baptist or a Catholic, to know Jesus Christ in a personal way. Our relationship got a bit cold after that, and I guess that's understandable. I still admired her. I still witnessed. We had a great working relationship, but I was never again able to get her to come to church. She was on the uptick. She was going to go places. She was on a diet at one particular point. I'd left the station by then, even had studied for the ministry. But she was on a diet and somehow got some sort of poisoning through that diet. I don't know, it was seafood. And she went into the intensive care unit of our local hospital here. It was terrible. I couldn't, everybody was talking about it. And I wanted to try to get in to see her, but only her parents, a priest, and the general manager of the television station were allowed to see her. And then one Sunday before church, I walked down the country lane to get the morning paper, opened it up, and there is a big picture of Susan. News anchor dies at 27. I was just sick. I looked at that, and I read it again, and I thought of something. Do you know how old I was when I came to know Jesus Christ as Savior? I was 27. So what struck me? I began to live at 27. Susan Welday's life ended at 27. And tears streamed down my face. Wow, what could have been? What could have been? Obviously, it's still in my mind and on my heart. My friend, do not let religion stop you from going to heaven someday. Don't do it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There are literally millions of stories as we live in today's world. This has been one. In our Resource Center today, we have a powerful book for anyone who is going through cancer. By God's Grace, authored by Von Schatzer, is here to encourage, inspire, and give you and your friends and family hope. 
Order By God's Grace when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or order online, swrc.com. Our next in-person conference is in Tri-Cities, Tennessee. Twelve speakers over two full days, March 25th and 26th. Register at the events page of our website, swrc.com. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com.